You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we call underground railroads subways. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. I do that because we're often wrong. We're always wrong, some would say. And I was definitely wrong last episode where I made a mistake. We were talking about Ted Kaczynski, and I called him the Unabomber, and I said he also committed the Oklahoma City bombing. That is incorrect. <laughs> he, he, he's done it all. He's literally Mid-side Hitler, of, Justin. He's literally Hitler. Uh, that was, uh, what was that in? Oh, that was in the show. I finally watched the series finale of Timeless, and ah. they called the guy who created the time machine worse than Hitler. And he, the guy was like, great, now I'm worse than Hitler. And I thought that played really funny because that was like in 2018 that aired. And I was just, yeah. I didn't want the show to end, so I didn't watch it. But I thought nowadays that played really funny that like the Elon Musk type character was called literally worse than Hitler. So, but yeah, Midsider Ronnie submitted that comment to me, that correction to me. Sorry. Like he said, it, it's an easy mistake to make because. Hey, now don't apologize to the mob. Don't apologize to the mob. No, You're no, not no. Sorry. I'm not apolog- we already denounced it. Okay. Correct. I'm not apologizing, but I'm pointing out, aren't those two things kind of interspliced in your mind, Ted Kaczynski and Timothy McVeigh? Yeah, I guess so. I guess there's a lot of, uh, you know, is it a white simile? Right? A white simile. That's it. A white supremacist simile. Yeah. There's got to be a portmanteau between those two words. Anyway, a brief update here. Uh, This will be the last you will be hearing from me. For two episodes. I had a, did oh, you like that man. little pregnant pause? I, put I know. There? Ooh, I was waiting with bated breath. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to Italy with my wife for, for two weeks. She's been wanting to go to Italy for, for a while. So now that we're not in school, uh, we're taking that trip. Well, However, let's, let's I think take the heteronormative will... approach here. What is the heteronormative approach to going to Italy? Taking your wife on vacation. Uh, it's heteronormative. During Pride Month, what a what a finger to all of us in the LGBTQIA plus LMNOP community. Well, I got to get out of here because of all the Pride stuff that's going on. <laughs> I mean, we're we're gonna have an underground railroad to take you uh, to Italy. Your travel yeah, agent was, is, uh, is literally doing an underground railroad. What, what was that 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 Daniel sent us? Somebody to or was a headline? There, there's a the headline is. Realtor helps LGBTQ plus Texans leave state through Rainbow Underground Railroad. <laughs> Wouldn't a Rainbow Railroad be overhead, William? Uh, deep irony, they're moving to Miami. Is that serious or no? No, no. I, I, like, like how, I like how uh, close you thought that was real. I mean, it could be. How do you even know nowadays? How do I you even know? know? So, yeah, I think you all will be better off because Daniel T. Richards will be replacing me for two weeks. And I know most people say they can't be replaced, but I can definitely be replaced by Daniel. So and Daniel is uh, irreplaceable. We've already determined that. Correct. Our ratings have gone down without Daniel. So <laughs> <laughs> this will be a good two week test to see if the We've ratings lost for those two Canadians episodes go up. after Daniel left. <laughs> I think COVID killed them, but <laughs> all right. As you can already hear, joining me this trip from the middle of the palm identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello, yes. Uh, from the land of railroaders, uh, Durand, Michigan, uh, out here for Father's Day weekend, uh, helping my dad out around the house and uh, getting all caught up, fixing everybody's computer, all the normal things you do as the uh, eldest son when you come out to visit. Then uh, Durand, pretty good. Durand, Durand sounds like, oh, Durand or Durand? Well, everyone everyone says it differently. If you're from Durand, you'll say Durand, but some people will say Durand. They put the, put the Durand emphasis on the wrong sounds spot. sort of like 
So it sounds sort of like Funky Kong to Ayn Rand. So sort of like Ayn Rand's brother who only drinks Mountain Dew and watches the X Games. That's what Durand sounds like. Yeah. All right, the, the listeners right now are like, just get, where's where's Daniel T. Richards? Can we just put him on this episode? Can we just fast forward to the next episode? Yeah. <laughs> you, you can, actually. There's buttons for that. So if you want to use that, go ahead. However, uh, we we got a nice bit of farce this week. It, it's kind of a little bit all over the place. Yes, sir. Not, not, our, not our typical week of farce. So I think that's really interesting. So I think that you should all listen in, especially because I'm also going to review the blackening, which I'm sure you all want to hear me talk about to see if my proactive and retroactive denouncing will stop me from getting canceled by reviewing the blackening. But first, let's go into the farce in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon, midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, perhaps most of all affirmations, especially because right now uh, I kind of feel a little uh, hatred of the good towards Daniel. So give me some affirmations so I, I don't feel so envious. First story here is actually something I think that would hit home for Daniel because once uh, I helped him make a video about the dangers of Alexa and the idea that you're inviting an at-home wiretapping device into your house with Alexa because the government, using the third-party doctrine, can get any of the information that's recorded by Alexa. Well, a... Engineer, where does this person work, William? So William submitted this article. It's by Brandon Jackson. And by the way, William, before we even yeah. go into it, could you hear the engineer in his voice when you read this? Like this was written <laughs> yes. like a technical manual. So, yes. so where does he work? <clears throat> I don't know that it says where he works. Like his medium, this is he just made this medium just to document this, basically. Like yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's written other things, but like this, this is basically it, you know? What if he actually writes like super like, he's, he, um, he works at Microsoft is the only thing it says here. So okay. he's probably so he's some sort of machine le- learning engineer at Microsoft, I would say. Right. But he wrote, he writes Gothic fiction in his spare time. Imagine that yeah, yeah. if he wrote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. Definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, so what happened to this guy was he lost access to his Amazon account for a whole week and that's everything but it's worse than that he called this a tale of unwanted disruption my week without amazon it's worse than that because like people do in the year 2023 which i william i don't understand why people do this okay that that's my whole thing with this right his entire house was networked through amazon so amazon essentially shut his house off which yeah this is what i don't this is what i don't get william if you own a house, why are you giving the ability to somebody else to take it away from you? And what I mean by that is this guy got a package delivered and the driver, right? I'm going to read what it says here. An unexpected accusation. It said, I was told that the driver who had delivered my package reported receiving racist remarks from my ring doorbell. Quote, unquote. He says it's not really a ring. It's an oofy which I thought was a character in the Hunger Games. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't know that was a doorbell you could get. But yeah, so supposedly the driver heard racist remarks from his doorbell. Which to anyone who doesn't know, you can talk if you have a subscription through your Ring doorbell. You can talk yeah. to people who are out there. And uh, with a Yuffie, with a Yuffie, it does an automatic like, "Hi, can I help you?" or something. Like it does. It does say something like automatically. Is that Elizabeth Banks' voice when it does that? I don't know. I don't know. It's probably Yuffie, considering it's like a Taiwanese or or Hong Kong. I can't remember where they're from. There's some sort of Chinese-ish company. I bet it's uh, bet it's got some sort of Asian accent. I I would I would say. Or British. She's the she plays Effie in the Hunger Games, dude. Don't make me spell out my jokes. 
That was the joke. Anyway. Uh, uh, uh. You're killing me today. You're giving me no feedback today. This is the episode I quit the podcast. <laughs> I'm not really going to Italy for two weeks. I'm just quitting. <laughs> Uh, so, because of these supposed racist remarks, Amazon shut his account off for two weeks. Shut his house off for, not for two weeks, for a week. Yeah. Shut his house off for a week. Now, nowhere does Amazon claim that's what they did. It just so happened that this happened over, like, Labor Day weekend, so there wasn't anyone available. Because the other thing we all know, William is all of these companies, Amazon especially, has terrible customer service. Everything is automated, where it's like, click on this for this. It's like, the other day I was trying to figure out how to get uh, the the international day pass for $10 a day turned on for my phone, or to make sure it was turned on for my phone. And all I wanted to do was like get on chat or on the phone and talk to somebody. But anything I went into was just a bunch of menus that are trying to dissuade you from talking to someone. So... This guy was accused of something. He wasn't even said that was the reason everything was shut off. But because it's impossible to talk to somebody, he lost basically control of his house for a week. Convince me this isn't terrifying, William. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is a lot like different companies have taken different approaches to privacy. And that's kind of where it starts with Amazon, right? If you lose your Amazon account and you use Alexa for everything in your house, for automations, for your doorbell, for stuff like that, for your lights, then yeah, you, then he lost all the functionality of those things, right? Um, it, it's pretty crazy to me. Like, it's it's pretty crazy to me that there's no there's an automatic like action taken and no human is involved, right? Like you have, I guess you have the only human involved was the driver making the accusation. And right. the rest is just automatic. And Justin, I'm, I'm, you know me, I would defend Amazon's right to cut this person off if, for whatever reason they want to, right? But this is, this is just fully automated, right? Like this is, that's the, I think the scariest part for me is like, yeah, they're just, they're cool with this. Like there's no, there's no consideration in their design that, oh, well, maybe if people have a house and they have all this automation that we've been pushing to sell them, you know, maybe they would lose access to it. You know, he probably lost access to his Kindles too. Imagine all the like content like someone might have purchased on their Kindle, right? Well, and they had to make just, sure he didn't have mind comp on his, on his Kindle I, before they I let guess. him read Yeah, I guess. But but you see what I'm saying, right? Like if everything is digital and and you're not the ultimate owner of of your devices. I mean, that's something that Lewis Rossman points out. He's a YouTuber that uh, that talks a lot about right to repair. You know, who owns that doorbell? You know who owns those automate light uh, lights with automated features? Who's the real owner of that? Is it Amazon? Well, right, and that that's what I'm talking about, right? That's the the first level of 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 terror here. The first level of terror is not actually owning anything. We've talked about this with streaming before. When I say buy yeah. physical media, if there's something you love. Buy the physical media of it because, as we saw, what did Disney especially just if do? it's a Disney thing, yeah, they'll just change the yeah. content. Right, they'll change the content, or they just purged a whole bunch of content from Disney Plus because they needed to 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 save some money here. Because remember, that costs server space to them, that costs money to them, that and costs licensing. Energy. They have to pay. They have to pay when people watch that. They have to pay the talent. Right. Right. So they got a bunch of tax write-offs for that, and it's the same thing here. Why? Are you giving essentially ownership of your house to somebody else? That's the first level. This is scary, right? Uh, how are you that lazy? How are you that lazy that you need that much automation that you can't do things for yourself, which is the second level that it's scary for me, right? Not only are you giving ownership over to somebody else, what is the net gain you're actually getting? You're, it's, it, William, it's like you're being convinced. It's like we've all been convinced I always say, right, Netflix and McDonald's, we've all been convinced that we're getting a lot when we're only getting a little and we're actually harming ourselves a lot. And this is a perfect Mm -hmm. example of it. And then the third and final thing is, while I agree with you that Amazon has a right to cut off its services for any reason it wants, it, it should have that right, or based upon the idea of natural rights, which is, again, why buy physical media, right? And I'm using that as shorthand. It's scary that this is what is happening. That 
social justice is the moral code that is being used for it. Yeah. That it's been that that internalized that somebody can just go, oh, I heard something racist and there's no check against it. Right. That's what you said. There's no check against it. That's what's yeah, terrible. Absolutely no check. That it's only the only the the accusation without any proof is automatic guilt. Right. They took an action without any without any. It was completely arbitrary statement and arbitrary action. Now, I, I also understand from an employer's point of view, I want to protect my employees. Right. But, you know, I have to look at the evidence. I have to check the cameras. I have to do the things. I have to do the work to make sure the thing happened. Right. I can't the, just but, take someone's word for it. Look, I agree with you about protecting your employees, but this is not a person who said, oh, he attacked me with a crossbow. Exactly. That's, this that's is a words. Reference that's come back. This is words. <laughs> alleged so, words. <laughs> two, right. So alleged words. So when you say alleged words, two social justice premises have been accepted here. One, that words are violence. And two, believe all victims. Yeah. It's not just believe all Wyman anymore, like you say. Right. What do you say? Wyman? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Wyman Gordon? Sort of, yeah. All right. And now it's believe all victims. So that's what's terrifying to me there. Yeah. I, I, I think there's so many issues about what's wrong in the culture. You know, we, we also we already mentioned, but the right to repair is in here. Uh, meaning like who owns the physical device that you're that you purchased, right? Are you just licensing the technology or do you actually own the device? You own the device, but if you're incapable of fixing it yourself, then that is the question of who actually owns it, right? Because yeah. what good is it if it breaks down? Because that's the thing. It used to be back in the day that anyone could fix their house, right? Anyone could change a flat tire, but you paid somebody else to do it so you didn't have to exert the energy or the time. Yeah. Right. Well, so, and, okay. and now everything is so regulated. Like, think of your house, man. Like, could you as a layman, right. I, you as a layman could watch YouTube videos and figure out how to repair almost anything in your house. Right. However, you would not be able to pull the right permits, uh, right. do all the like regulatory oversight, blah, 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 blah. There's no way you could do all that part. Right. We're now paying people to do the paperwork. Right. And not the work. And that's. That's more of a problem in California than in Florida, but the the point is well taken. And then at that point, who owns everything? The government owns everything, yes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch tied up with that. But I think that leads into the next bit of farce here. The next bit of farce where uh, this was another one I think you you submitted here, uh, which I actually think this is funny. This is hilarious. The the joke is funny, right? So apparently a U.S.-born Malaysian comedian or singaporean although i don't know the history of malaysian singapore this article says that malaysian singapore were briefly one state after the end of british colonial rule but they separated in 1965 so i don't know what the proper label is here but this is a south asian comedian who was born in the u.s made a joke about uh, the malaysian airline flight that disappeared in march 2014 uh, do you remember that flight, William, where it says 239 yeah. people died and it's still never been found? Yep. Which is yep. kind of crazy. It's that shows the ocean how deep is the ocean very is. large. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's very large. <laughs> exactly. But this is the joke she made. She said, Malaysian Airlines going missing. Not funny, huh? Some jokes don't land. I think that's a hilarious joke. Right. It, yeah. It's not like yeah. laugh out loud funny, but here's the farcical part of this. Members of the government in Malaysia basically want to arrest this comedian. It says on Tuesday, Malaysia's police chief, and I'm not going to try and say his name, said they would ask Interpol to locate the comedian. And that. There are different crimes here. She's being probed under public mischief laws that carry a jail term of up to two years, as well as communications legislation under which offenders face up to a year. William, is this only enabled through globalization? And what I mean by that is, (laughs) A, 20 years ago, would this person in Malaysia even be aware this joke was even told in this club in New York City? 
And B, would they even have the gall to communicate with the U.S. and Interpol? Like, does Interpol have jurisdiction over the United States that they can just come here and take a comedian for breaking another country's law? I guess it's you can think of Interpol as more like the clearinghouse when you have to go country to country for a, for a crime. You know, like, let's say uh, I'm Carmen Sandiego and I'm uh, hopping borders, uh, uh, fleeing for my latest art heist. Uh, that's where Interpol comes in, right? It's the clearinghouse. But yeah, there's like, I don't think, at least I hope that no one has signed any laws that would uh, allow extradition under these circumstances. Uh, it sounds pretty crazy, right? Like, don't we have, you know, we have free speech here. So uh, I guess it's the good way to attack our free speech is to, uh, is to start uh, kowtowing to these, uh, these folks, you know, we talk about often uh, talk about what proper pride is and they would say, Oh, this is you know part of their pride in their country. Right. You know, so we see China do this a lot too, right? Like they'll accuse people. If you say something against the Chinese government, Oh, obviously you're racist against Chinese people. Right. Um, so I think this is a similar sort of thing. They're taking, they're taking that next step in social justice. Any criticism of the regime is clearly criticism of the minorities or of the, of, of the, of the sacred class. Right. And I think that's what's going on here. But ultimately, I think what you're saying is this is a way to attack America's ideal of free speech. And that if America kowtows to this, then they're handing over their free speech. Yeah, and absolutely. Then a battle's been won here. Yeah. So this is, would you say this is global disinformation, which is enabled by <laughs> globalization? I think so. I think so. I mean, can, the internet. If you're if you're someone who gains like some sort of social stature or political power by playing the victim card, the internet lets you just go out and like draw the trolls, or even in this case, just some random person, and uh, and 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 be able to claim victimhood. But you know, just like we won't ever meet uh, reach peak farce, I don't think we'll uh, reach peak victimhood. I mean, people will find more ways to declare themselves a victim for just existing. Yeah. And the fact that the entire country of Malaysia is doing it or this security official on behalf of the country of Malaysia is doing it and uh, essentially using the same cancellation tactics of Twitter trolls is kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, when we're talking about absurd, I came across... A vlogger this week, which this has to be, William, this vlogger, his name is Buddy Brown. He has to be anti what Silicon Valley and the left wants with social media. So, you know, we always talk about Reddit having a certain hive mind to it and a perspective to it. And the general conversation online being left wing. However, this guy, like, we're going to listen to this video And we're going to listen to it for two reasons. One, I want everybody out there when you're listening to this guy, think about what he looks like and think about what the video looks like. And I want to be clear. This is high. Like before you even like think it's low quality video, he, he is using high quality equipment here. The video is very crystal clear. It's very HD. And then the second thing is I want to talk about the content here because not only is this image very stark to me, but I think this content is fascinating on a number of levels and reflects a lot of what's going on with our country philosophically. So, William, go ahead and play this clip of Buddy Brown, one of his vlogs. Doesn't the Bible say, don't judge lest you be judged? Well, this is where the English translation has really screwed us up in a lot of ways. The original Greek word for judge was krino, which means to pass sentence or to condemn. So it actually says, don't condemn unless you want to be condemned. I don't want to be condemned. That's a whole other ball game. I cannot condemn anyone to hell or pass anybody straight up to heaven because that ain't my call. But I sure as heck can make a judgment on situations or views, and so do y'all every single day. If you roll up to 7-Eleven at midnight because you need a little bit of gas and a skull can, (laughs) and there's six dudes posted up against the wall wearing head-to-toe black clothing, sunglasses with no cars in sight, you better believe I'm making a judgment that there ain't no way I'm about to walk into that (laughs) 7-Eleven. We have to discern the situation. 
So, William, first of all, I know you can see it, but what would you picture him looking like just from hearing <laughs> him talk? He probably looks like one of my cousins. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. That's what, like, this sounds like the kind of discussions that my more religious cousins, uh, bless their hearts, would have. This is the kinds of stuff they talk about. They think about... Uh, they think a lot about the Bible and, and what, it, like what philosophical things, nuggets they can unearth and they'll focus right in on a verse and just break it down and look at the translation. And yeah, this is exactly what they will do. My point being though, that when I'm talking about it, like, this is like a Midwestern or Southern redneck like he's literally yeah. wearing flannel and jeans and in the back of a pickup truck while making this video is it's he not, not it's not even a, i don't think it's a pickup truck i think it's one of those like <clears throat> off-road uh oh, it's like an atv yeah an atv okay. yeah like, okay. uh, like even a, better right yeah yeah so he's exactly like what he sounds hunt, like like in the back in the back you know in your back 40 you know right now we can debate whether the the bible is is a valid thing to pick apart or not but the fact is, we're led to believe these type of people are super ignorant and super unintelligent. Yeah. But he's speaking eloquently, and he is discussing important ideas. So this video is so mesmerizing to me because it breaks a lot of stereotypes. And I think it's important that we look into these videos and we take them seriously, especially with the content it's talking about. Absolutely. Because when we talk about this idea of, and he brings it up elsewhere... And this is like a five minute clip. We took like, what, 30 seconds, a minute out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, who are you to judge? Right. Who are you to judge? Right. Who? Uh, what, what? What's the book in in Atlas Shrug called? Is it, Why do you think you think? Right. Yeah, it's essentially yeah. this question. Who, who are you to judge? Right. And I think it's really, really interesting that he comes up with this dichotomy of condemning versus versus judgment. Because I think when a lot of people mean judge, they actually mean like judge whether someone is a awful person worthy of life or not. And William, when I'm judging on a daily basis, I'm not condemning in that way, right? I may say, right. oh, I don't think that person's a good person. But when I say a good person, I mean, I don't think that they are healthy for either me or for themselves. I, that means I think they're either causing harm or would cause harm to me or would cause harm to themselves. It doesn't mean I don't think they're fit to be alive. To me, that's a basic premise, fit to yeah. be alive. Now, he yeah. takes that a step further and he says, because he believes in God, which we'll return to in a, in a bit here, he says, oh, well, I'm not, I don't, I'm not able to. That's not my call who goes to heaven and who goes to hell, which he's right, right? If you believe in God, that's not your call. So you shouldn't be judging in that way. But that's not what judgment means. And I think it's really interesting, this dichotomy here. And I think this is one of those things, William, where I say I'm more willing to have a conversation with people, quote unquote, on the right or religious people or Christian people in this way, because they can have this kind of conversation with me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. This is something I've talked about a lot in the past is I have more philosophical discussions and more fruitful philosophical discussions with people on the right than I do with people on the left. We may ultimately leave the conversation disagreeing, but the the left at this point, at least in America, has given up on talk, right? There is no discussion. These issues are ossified. They're, they're, they're dogmatic to the extreme. There is only one right answer. Yes, it constantly changes because of the subjectivism at the root of modern leftism. But this is the, the, the amount of evasion is more on the left and they don't even believe in God, Justin. Well, that's what's interesting, right? That's what's interesting. There is a commonality here and you already hit on it, right? What this vlogger, what, what Buddy Brown is not aware of here is... I want to keep calling him Bobby Brown, but Whitney Houston's not involved <laughs> with this. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> uh, what, what Buddy Brown is not aware of, or he, he doesn't bring it up or doesn't make the connection, is the no, no judging thing is as much rooted in subjectivism than it is uh, conflating yourself with God. Although this is where it weirdly 
turns around, right? Because at the end of his video, he says the issue is you are conflating the self with God. You're putting the self on the same level. It's you're treating the self, you know, thou shall not have any other, you know, gods, right? The first commandment. And he's saying when you raise the self to that level, well, then you're doing that. You're making the self the same as God. And now we understand why people on the religious right or religious people don't like secularism because, William, the leftist perspective, the subjectivist perspective on the self is necessarily narcissistic because of subjectivism. Because here's the thing, whether you believe in God or not, you are still at the mercy of reality. And what I mean by that is in subjectivism, in subjectivism, you don't, or sorry, you set the rules. There is no higher higher power than than your ego. Yep. There's no higher power than your ego in subjectivism. Correct. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, Buddy Brown is saying, if you place yourself on the same level of God, there is no higher power than your ego. Mm-hmm. So he's he's pointing out without realizing it that subjectivism and narcissism are the same thing. And now we see what the left and right have in common. And now we see why people who support Trump are acting in the same way as people who support Biden or people who support Hillary Clinton or people who support Obama. Because it's all of this subjectivism, narcissism. It's the idea that you are not beholden to the rules of reality because nobody has any right to judge because we're all equal. We're all equal. Our minds are all equal. We all are equally subjective. Mm -hmm. Whereas we're all losing sight of that reality is what has power over everyone. Now, a religious person, Buddy Brown here would say, well, reality is created by God, right? This is baked into the declaration, right? The idea that natural rights come from God, right? That's where I would disagree with the founders. But that's why I find this video so interesting because here is a video that... It connects too with, you know, I think even like, like 12 steppers, right? One of the things that they say is, you know, something about, you know, Get like recognizing a higher power, right? Yeah. And that higher power they should be recognizing is reality. And I, this is where religion is. Religion is wrong in some ways, but there the it's it's because it's it, it's not properly reasoned out, right? Like the the error here is not the argument itself; it's the the underlying premise, right? Whereas, right. like, even the argument is just wrong in subjectivism, right? Like, it's just like it, it, it's just, it's just wrong, right? And you can see how right. that sec- that secularism and that subjectivism is a rejection of religion, but for the wrong reason. And I think this is the right. full circle that we're 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 really talking about here. Right. And in regards to the twelve steps, I actually heard Doctor Drew say once because somebody pushed back against him and said, like, well, how can an atheist participate in twelve steps? And he said, higher power doesn't have to mean God. It's just admitting that you don't have control over everything. So the fact when Dr. Drew said that, that made me more accepting of the 12 step program, because like with Buddy Brown here or a lot of Christians, it seemed to be that when people went into the 12 step program, they traded the substance and dependency on the substance for dependency on God. They traded one addiction for the other. It's like people who become addicted to the gym rather than addicted to drinking, yeah. right? That's just yeah. as unhealthy. And you know, I'm a fitness person, right? But if you're trading one addiction for another, and it seemed that a lot of people did that, but hearing Dr. Drew say that where ultimately it's about admitting that there are some things beyond your control. And when it's an addiction, it is beyond your control, right? That, that is a, a biological condition. That's a physical condition as much as it is a psychological condition. The psychological follows from the biological. And I think that's what's often missed here. And I think it's great a video like this is gaining traction. And I think it's great. I mean, I think a lot of objectivists and a lot of people on the left say, oh, it's scary, these religious people, right? Because they don't want like a theocracy. But I, I I watch this video and I'm less afraid of it than I am the social justice left because to me, William, and check my premise here, 
But to me, the social justice left is more arbitrary. I mean, let's let's fold back to the Amazon story. Brandon Jackson. Isn't that arbitrary what happened to him? Somebody could just say, oh, I heard a racist remark from my ring camera and arbitrarily he loses access to his house for a week. Is that not arbitrary? There was nothing checked against reality. Whereas here, there's at least a common language that I can speak with Buddy Brown, even though there are things I disagree with as strongly as I do with the social justice left. Do you see why I'm more scared of the social justice left? Absolutely. I'd rather I'd rather move into a neighborhood with a thousand of uh, Buddy Browns uh, than a single one, a single pink haired, screaming feminist uh, social justice warrior. Right. Uh, Yeah. Or even a narcissistic, secular right wing person. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. dude, since moving to Florida, I don't talk religion with people, but I have found that the people I respect the most and the people I get along with the most are people who are very quietly religious. They don't advertise it. They don't talk about it in their daily lives. I'm not talking about the people who are always like, praise Jesus, we need to pray, or, you know, our program is blessed by the Lord, right? I'm not talking about the people who say that. I'm talking about people who every once in a while they'll talk about going to church or say like, oh, well, that person could use church in his or her life because it's more about their relationship with reality and how they understand reality than it is a sort of secondhanded narcissistic way of imprinting on the world. Yeah. And speaking of that, right, and we're talking about this arbitrariness, that's how we get to our last story here, which is the most farcical thing. And it is sort of a trend we've been tracking, but it also is very related to what I'm going to be doing, right? I'm going to be flying on a plane, or when you listen to this, I will already have flown on a plane. Hopefully I will have landed safely in Italy. And I think when you're listening to this, if you listen to it on Monday, I think I'll be in the Coliseum. So, but this is about airplane travel, right? And Here's the headline. Plus size influencer Jalen Cheney, I think that's how you say it, Chaney, Chaney, uh, rips plane seat policies after demanding other flyers pay for extra seat. And I think, William, this is squarely in disconnect from reality. Mm-hmm. This is what she said. Apparently, recently, she published a demand for the FAA to protect plus size customers. And here's the quote. People with smaller bodies get to pay one fare to get to their destination. We have to pay two fares, even though we're getting the same experience. If anything, our experiences are a little bit more challenging. And here's the thing where we're talking about reality, because there's two different angles to look at this from. One, the angle is the experience is flying on the plane to your destination. So why should different people have to pay different prices? But... The reality of the situation is... The reality is, Justin, the experience of getting on a metal tube and arriving thousands of miles away safely in a short amount of time. That's the same reality for both uh, uh, you and I and this plus-size person. Right. Space is the reality. And I don't mean like outer space. Well, I mean like (laughs) space is... there, There is... Look, geometry exists. Physics exists. There is space. There are things that fit in space and you pay to use a certain amount of space, right? I mean, let's, let's use her argument to her logical conclusion, right? Should I be punished because I enjoy a flight more because I get more leg room because I'm shorter? I think you should have to pay extra because I have to pay for comfort plus to get the same experience, Justin. Right. Is that not that that's unfair of me, right? That's my, my <laughs> yeah. short privilege. How, it's your short privilege. Finally, you're privileged Finally. somehow. Finally. I'm still I, privileged in some way. <laughs> Even though I, I get automatic, I got I get I got automatically rejected on dating apps. Right. If you're six feet or if you're below six yeah. feet, just just swipe <laughs> left automatically. Right. No one yep. below six, six feet apply. Uh you know that the famous meme where Belle and the Beast, right? All that stuff. It's like, oh, you're 6'5", right? So even all that gets yeah. me. I get more leg room on an airplane, right? And I get more space too, right? Because I'm in shape. I'm fit. And flexible. Don't it, forget that. You can, you, can, you, can, you can, you know, go up the aisle faster than this person to go to the bathroom. Justin, I, uh, on my flight here, there was someone so large, their 
uh, cheeks, and I don't mean the ones on their head, were smacking people in their face all the way up the aisle to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Well, and that's one of my fears is, and I'm okay this time because I have the aisle seat and my wife has the the middle seat. So I'm going to be okay. I'm okay with people down the aisle. But one of my fears is like I'm at the window and then there's a really fat person in the middle seat. Yeah. Like I would be crushed the entire flight. And how is that fair? How would that be fair? Right. That person should have to pay for the two because imagine they only pay for one. Well, I mean, I'd be interested to know what happens if they pay for one seat and then they can't fit in the one seat. Are they allowed to ride the entire flight? Imagine I, you're on I an mean, we may have to immediately time. disavow this, but like, isn't there plenty of room in the cargo hold? Oh, oh, I mean, yeah, I don't think that's you need the extra volume. If you need the extra volume. I like it. I like how you're thinking, but I don't think that's safe enough uh, atmospherically. I don't, I don't think that's breathable down there, is it? I don't know. I, I would guess it's pressurized. It would have to be. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen a lot of movies where they break into the cargo hold to find something. So it must be if it's if it happened in um, a Steven Seagal movie. Right. It, it, <laughs> it, must, it must be true. <laughs> it must be true. Right. But. Do you see how they can get twisted here? William, do you do you see the, the, the their twisting where they're having the same experience? But in yeah. reality, the experience is not the same. There, it's it comes back to what we were talking about before. They want to rewrite reality, right? Help me fake reality. That's what really this comes down to: is help me, society, and not not help me. I'm going to force you to help me evade reality. Yeah, by redefining things. I mean, I'm looking at this yeah. picture, right? And the headline or the the caption says. U.S. airlines discriminate against plus-size passengers. William, I think it's not fair to call her plus-size. I don't think that's fair to (laughs) plus-size people. It's not. It's not. Well, and this is Do you remember OkCupid back in the day? Yeah. OkCupid used to have a thing where you put your body type, right? Like fit, athletic. I think those were the same one. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like skinny, athletic, curvy, right? Obese. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember how women started rebranding curvy as fat? Because what did yes. curvy used to mean back in the day before the internet? It used to mean a woman who wasn't who sorry, a woman who was skinny but wasn't let's just say flat, right? She didn't have a pancake butt, she didn't have small breasts, she had curves to her. That's what curvy yeah. used to mean. Selma Think hourglass and pear shape. You could have someone who's uh, in shape and be pear shaped yes. female, right? Like that is a phenotype that we know. Just like, you know, you can have people who are, think like for the males, they would be like rugby player style, right? They're very, they're large and they're, they have a belly, but it's, they're, they're not fat, right? They're not obese. Right. Right. And that got rewritten where curvy meant fat. Well, this is the same thing here. We're further because we're drifting further from reality. Now, morbidly obese means plus size. That's a lot of pluses. Right. I mean, we, we keep adding pluses, right? Is this what the plus means finally? Did we finally figure out what the plus Ooh, means? That's a that might be it. All right. So to me, this is insane. This is a, just another example of evading reality. And I think that's a lot of what we had for farce this week. And this really makes me want to take a vacation because I just want to get away from these people who are evading reality. Although William, this makes me terrified to fly. Like I am more afraid of flying now than I ever have been in my entire life. I'm not afraid of the plane crashing or anything, but I'm just afraid of who am I going to get stuck near on the on Justin, the with if we keep plussing in the plane, eventually I will be afraid of the plane not not making it <laughs> to the destination. Yeah, that's true. Flying over the Pacific, the Pacific's the scarier one. The Pacific's so large, and once you hit the point of no return, <laughs> there's nowhere to land. Do you get what I'm saying? If there's an that's emergency, true. like if yeah. you have a heart attack, that's you're true. screwed. Uh, all right, yeah. any, anything you want to say about any of the stories? No, nope, I, I think we had another uh, another trans-free uh, uh, farce so, uh, and during Pride Month, so it's another hate crime that we've committed yet again. 
here on the midside. I mean, there was stuff, but I didn't really want to bring it up. I mean, do you really want to bring it up? Not really. Okay. So I like it. Yeah, you're. I would just like to point out you're the one who brought up the trans stuff. We could have brought up the idea that people think that um, Gwen Stacy in Across the Spider Verse is trans. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're shipping all characters uh, in every media these days. Yeah, but she's not. Although that's not what I'm going to review. I'm going to review the blackening in. The hopeful romant, uh, hopeful bromantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Just go to midside.com or midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link, and in there you will find a link to join the Discord. You can do that. Submit farce to us. Uh, submit corrections like Midsider Ronnie did. Uh, Ted Kaczynski is not both the Unabomber and the Oklahoma City Bomber, right? Timothy McVeigh was indeed... A different person, or maybe that's all a Mandela effect on your all parts, huh? Huh? Maybe I'm not the crazy one. Maybe you are. Maybe I shouldn't gaslight my listeners. But uh, you can also see the trailers we're going to talk about in Trailer Takedown in the Discord. So lots of opportunity to talk about farce, submit farce, participate in the show, grow the show, join the Discord. All right, William, I did actually see across the Spider Verse uh, because one of my wrestlers asked me to see it and i'm not going to go into a deep review of it but i actually don't think we can properly understand even the first movie anymore until the third movie is released because did you ever see the first one william no i haven't seen it okay well do you remember my review of it where i said it ends with like the idea that anyone can wear the mask and uh, like yes that's, yes yeah well this movie took a complete 180 and the key quote from this movie was, uh, everyone keeps telling me how my life is supposed to go. I'm going to go in my own direction. Or I'm going to write it myself or something like that. Which seems to fly in the face of the first movie, right? Yeah. So what we, we have to wait. On its own, I loved it across the Spider-Verse. I'd love to have a deeper conversation with anyone who's willing to. Uh, reach out to me. Hit, up, hit me up in the Discord. Love to talk about it. Uh, but I think... Judgment's fully reserved until the third, but on its own, great movie across the Spider-Verse. But the movie I was really excited to see is The Blackening. Do you remember the trailer for The Blackening, William? Oh, remind me, what was it? So I, mean, the, I feel like I feel like I feel negative energy. So So The Blackening was the horror comedy where a bunch of black people go to a cabin in the woods and then there's a game there called the blackening and they have to like pick the blackest person to sacrifice him or herself or somebody else dies and it seemed to be like a horror comedy that's playing with this whole idea of race yes so i was excited because a lot of the jokes looked funny in the trailer and here's the thing this was a completely average movie like if you looked up average movie in the dictionary it would be blackface because it would be the blackening. Right? Again, you know, sold that joke. I thought that was funny. Right. All right. <laughs> Literally, I give this a solid bro rating. And here's my one sentence description of this. A creative concept is bogged down by a need to over explain and oversimplify itself. So from the first scene, It's just expository dialogue, expository dialogue, expository dialogue. Uh, The twist is so simple that it's telegraphed because it hits every trope of, oh, well, this character does this. And you know that when this character does this, that means this character is really doing this and this character is really doing this. So even though there's a lot of funny stuff in this and this concept of we're going to put a bunch of black characters into a horror movie and they're aware of the fact that they're in a horror movie, right? They even mentioned a cabin in the woods, right? And that's the thing to remember, William. 
we've we have the scream franchise we have the movie cabin in the woods if you're going to have this type of premise that has characters aware they're in a horror movie and they're super aware of their race because that's what we are all nowadays right and you yeah. put those two together where you put it in like a saw like environment where there's a killer who is wearing a mask and making them do things in order to survive because of their blackness or in spite of their blackness. There's an expectation that this has to be elevated in order to be a superior work of art and either to be a highly worthwhile work of a highly valuable work of art. But unfortunately there's not much to say about the blackening because look, it's not terrible. You're not going to watch it and be like, Oh wow, this is, Terrible. I hated this. It's a bad experience. But for the year 2023, you're just going to be like, I wanted more because this is a movie that would have been better in like the 2000s, the early 2000s. It would South South Park in his head. This felt like a South Park episode back then. And even South Park would have done it better back then. So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying based upon what it needed to be based upon what it was, it needed to be better based upon its concept and its genre and the cultural context. Does that make sense, William? Yeah. 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 I mean, do you think they over explained everything so that they could ensure they didn't, you know, fall into any social justice mind traps? Uh, no, I think look, and again, disavowing everything, right? I think one of the most disappointing things about black movies, and I hesitate to use that framing, but I'm talking about movies that are... It is a genre. It's a genre on Netflix. I think you can say it, Justin. Okay. I'm talking like... uh, I can't remember his name. He has a studio in Atlanta. Tyler Perry, right? Tyler Perry's the same way, right? except I would rate his movies even lower, right? This is better than a Tyler Perry movie, but he has incredibly creative movies. He's a very creative person. I saw one of his movies with, uh, Taji P Henderson once, right? That phenomenal actress. She's an empire and other things, or yeah, that's her name. And it was just so poorly made. And I don't want to say it's disdain for the audience, but unfortunately, one of the stylizations of these type of movies seems to be that they're dumbed down on purpose. And I don't yeah. know if that's because of the soft bigotry of low expectations or because of disdain for the audience. And what I mean by the former is, is it simply because we're so desirous in a social justice culture to see black voices succeed that will fund and greenline anything? even if it's not up to par. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't have the answer to that question. I just know that that is a trend I've noticed. And I don't know if it's because of disdain for the audience or ability level on the producer, director, writer's part. Because look, like I said, it's not technically awful. It's just technically very average. And... For something to be so... Here, here's why it's disappointing. For something to be so daring to call itself the blackening and to make these jokes, right? To make the jokes where the character is like, oh, I'm not the blackest. I voted for Trump twice, right? And to make other very funny jokes about that, right? Where, um, you know, there's one guy who's married to a white woman and they make jokes about that. And there's one girl who's one of her parents is white. So they make jokes about that, right? They point to a zebra painting and go, Oh, look, it's you right to, to have this kind of content and to not execute it as well as it could be. It's, it's just disappointing for, I don't, I don't know the reason why it's not as good as it could be, but that is something I've, I've noticed where I do think black movies, that genre oftentimes has very creative premises and phenomenal casts. And a lot of good creative talent behind it, and the execution is just not always the best. So this is a, this is a solid two point five out of five stars. It's a solid bro 
can enjoy this movie. There's a lot to like about it. But it's hard for me to see all the things I like about it and just not be like, oh, this could have been so good. It's sort of like somebody tried to do, like, get out, open the door that you could make a movie like this, and somebody tried to do it, but while it was more entertaining than Get Out because it was an actual horror comedy, it didn't have any sort of, you know, the Get Out had the sunken place, which actually resonated with people. This doesn't have anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. We're going to do trailer takedown here. I put the trailers in the Discord usually the Saturday before we record. Episodes are released on Monday. That's so you can watch the trailers whenever you want. Maybe you watch the trailers, then listen. Or you listen to the episode, then watch the trailers. Or you watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer take trailer. Whoa. It did it again. First trailer. It did it again. It did it again. <laughs> did it again. Uh, See You on Venus is based on a novel. It's about a woman who kidnaps a guy. I don't know. She like gets him to go on a trip with him. This brought back a memory for me. Okay, and it, hold on. Hold on. Let, let, let me finish. It brought back a memory because, like, he's on the trip, right? And he's like, well, what's this trip for? And she's like, it's to find my mother. If I was a guy there, I, I'd peace out. <laughs> right? Like, Nope, and right out of there. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> You just barrel roll, like open the door and barrel roll out, right? But it does remind me, right? When I was at Clemson, right, at grad school, a kid was like, oh, you know, do you want to go down to the beach in Florida with us? To like Flagler Beach, which is on the, uh, it may not have been Flagler, but it was, I think it was, but that's on the Atlantic. It was a beach on the Atlantic coast, right? And as I'm driving down, I find out that this is basically like an intervention because the guy had been left at the altar. Right. So everyone's talking about how good of a friend I am and like, oh, it's so really great. I came down to support him. I was just on a flyer, man. And what I mean by that, like he was like, hey, you want to go to the beach in Florida? I was like, sure, I'll go to the beach in Florida. I don't got anything else to do for a week or two weeks. And then I find out like everyone thinks I'm like this great friend because I'm helping him get over being left at the altar or whatever it was. It was just a very bizarre experience. It reminded me of this, like. Not only did this look like it was cheaply made, but what the fuck kind of a premise is this? And this is a book. This is the kind of stuff women are reading and they think is romantic. Ladies, not that there's many listening to this show, (laughs) but if you get a guy to go on a trip with you and then you tell him it's to find your mom and he still goes along with you, uh, that's not someone you want to be in a relationship with. Unless you're already in the relationship. And at that point, you have an unhealthy relationship. So, there is no way I am seeing this movie. Tackle. Tackle. This this movie, to me, or this preview to me, looked and felt like they had all the tropes of romance, but like the under, all the underlying stuff was the opposite of romance. Does that make sense? It was like some sort of yes. bizarro. I was laughing. Justin, this was not what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> I was laughing at it because it was like, to me, it was so like not romance that I was just like, my God, what are we doing to this poor, this, this poor dude? You know, like what it, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's bizarre and it's backwards and it's crazy. And I laughed, but I don't think this is supposed to be a romantic comedy. So tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. Landscape with Invisible Hand. By the way, terrible name. Terrible. Like, first of all, I thought this was a movie about economics when you're talking about Invisible Hand. I don't know if they intentionally made that reference or not. But this trailer started out exactly like the last trailer. And I was like, oh no, here we go again. Except then it took a twist. William, did you ever see the episode of South Park where the Earth was a reality show for alien species? I did, yeah. So this movie is like if you took the last trailer which is like guy and girl go on a road trip together and they're gonna fall in love and then you cross it with that because like halfway through this trailer like the girl takes like a device and puts it on her head like she's seven of nine do you remember what i'm talking about when seven of nine had that yes, over her? yes and she puts that and yeah. then all of a sudden you find out she's broadcasting to aliens 
because these aliens don't feel romance. So their mode of entertainment is to get romance. And they're even tipping her. Like when you see people on their YouTube channel, get like mega tips and things and they do things for the audience. And then this becomes super a, chats. Justin. Yeah, super, super chats. This. Someday we'll get one. Someday we'll get one. super chat. Yes. Yeah, super chat. So she's getting super chats and stuff. And then it becomes sort of like a commentary, a comedy on like social media culture with the extreme premise of the aliens. So there's a lot to like and a lot to be worried about here because I don't want to watch like a cliche romance movie like you're talking about. But the sci-fi component is somewhat interesting. However, the production value doesn't look great. So this is a movie that like if nothing else is on or I just want to take something in and give it a chance and I don't want to delve into something super deep or I'm super excited for, this is something I would put on. So to me, this is the definition of a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. You know, Justin, I'm usually all about sci-fi premises, but, and I don't mind necessarily of a questionable production value, but I don't know that these two actors can carry this off and i think that that puts me very much on the fence on this one and i may have to uh we may be hitting the rule uh we'll see as we get to the rest of these but i'm giving this the lightest the very very lightest of tackles tackle third trailer cobweb is a horror movie starring lizzie kaplan and the guy who plays uh the nazi superhero in the boys on Amazon Uh, in it, their son is hearing noises and seeing creatures and he's being gaslit that there's something evil in the house. And it looks like it's going to turn out that the family's going to be the evil people. Look, this is a good cast. I love Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, This is a horror movie that I would see if there was nothing else in theaters because I like to go every week. So just like Barbarian got a lot of hype and I saw it eventually or there have been some movies that I've taken flyers on and seen when there wasn't much going on. This is a movie that I would I would I would do that for. However, I'm not going to ever go out of my way to see this movie because there doesn't look like there's enough going on with it beyond like the kids being gaslit by an evil family and we hope he escapes. Uh, so because of that, this is, again, a Netflix and hug for me. Netflix and hug. Yeah, I think the, the thing that you, I got out of this was just a lack of depth, right? Um, it's, it's got the start of a premise, but not the completion of a premise. Now, that could just be a bad cut of the trailer. Maybe they're hiding things from us, that there's some larger theme here going on. But, uh, yeah, uh, if it's just root for the kid that's getting gaslit, then I think this would be pretty boring. So, for me, it's a tackle. Tackle. Final trailer. Nazi Hunters is a movie about hunting Nazis by Germans. William, isn't it refreshing to finally have a trailer about a movie about hunting Nazis that's actually by German people? <laughs> Oh, Lord. I'm going to take that laugh as a yes. Uh, what's interesting is this this movie seems to be about a guy who did genetic experiments on kids and finding the him and finding the kids. Now, again, this is all in German. It's all subtitles. Yes, I am that stereotypical American who I don't really enjoy reading my movies. So this I'd have to be a certain type of mood. And that's not the kind of movie I want to see in theaters. Right. I want to be focused on the big visuals when I'm in theater. So if I'm spending my time looking at the captions in the middle of the screen, that's not something that's worthwhile to me. But if I heard that this movie was worthwhile, especially because it's coming from Germany, that's something I would give a chance. So, William, you're saying you're going to hit the four tackle rule here. I'm apparently hitting three Netflix and hugs. Netflix and hug. Justin. I'm Nazi'd out. That's all it comes down to. Oh, it's I agree. That simple. But uh, like, I, I agree. Like, but if even there's if one... someone told me this is the best movie since Schindler's List about the Nazis, I still don't know that I could watch it. But William, well, I agree with you a hundred percent. You can hit the drop about my degree from FU. <laughs>
William, my degree from FU says you are 100% correct. I'm just going to add one caveat. If there's one okay. culture that's allowed to make a movie about Nazis <laughs> in perpetuity, is it not German culture? <laughs> oh, I guess I guess it's a strong argument, but I just think I would fall asleep. I just think I would fall asleep. There's too many there's too many real life Nazis, uh, Justin, out there, right? <laughs> DeSantis is still out there, so how can we, we DeSantis hunt? is still out there. He's still out there. So tackle. Tackle. All I right, definitely William, hit the rule. You hit the rule. <laughs> I hit the rule. You know what? I I think the the landscape with the invisible hand, I think I could watch I think that's one that I would watch. Uh if I had to if you held a gun to my head right now. Like I said, I I, I question if the like I, the acting could bump me out of it so easy. Yeah, I agree with the acting. The acting was pretty bad, but I I don't know. I, I thought the sci-fi was invented. We have so many streamers that could do this, right? Like, imagine if they cast like Pokimane or someone like that. You know, I I don't even know what you just said. That was gibberish. All right, that brings uh, us to the end of this episode. What did we learn this trip, William? I learned that uh, Justin is hiding his secret love for Pokemon. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned that I need to open up a landscaping company and call it Adam Smith Landscaping. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. I want to thank everybody for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, If it wasn't for you, this would just be me talking in the corner of my closet like a crazy person. It still is, but you make me feel a little less crazy. And because of that, I'm going to give you a two-week reprieve where you get Daniel instead of me. So enjoy that. You ungrateful bastards. Uh, But if you are grateful and you feel bad for making me feel bad, then you can go to the midside.com slash store and pick up some merch. You can go to midside.com slash the cut and buy my book. You can go to the midside.com slash Patreon, midside.com slash locals. That's how we keep the lights on. Or the best way to grow the show is to tell a female friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Alexa, I'm racist. How far tens of listeners that had uh, echoes in their home, they're all now locked out of their houses.